a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett just saw on the calendar that right now on Earth, it's almost Christmas time. We don't have time for trivialities like Christmas. But Peter's so sad about Gamora being gone. Maybe if we go to Earth for a really wonderful Christmas gift, it would make him happy. Something special he will never forget. What about someone special? We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. I just said that, Drax. If your voice is small and mousy, I think maybe he didn't hear you. Ah! You're coming with us as a Christmas present. Welcome, everyone, to a Christmas Eve episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets, and joining me, as always... Kyra Hawkins. And we have a special guest in studio with us tonight. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Hi, my name is Kevin Higgins, host of the I Help Make That podcast. And Kevin was actually kind enough to let me sit in on one of his um, other episodes, which y'all heard a couple of months ago, the Newsies episode. So he messaged me talking about the um, episode that we are going to be covering tonight and asked if we were going to do it, and we invited him on. Mm -hmm. So if you listened to last week's episode, we gave you a little bit of a spoiler. It is the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday spe- holiday special, I guess, is the official name, but I am calling it the Holiday Spectacular. Because, because any movie, because any show that actually has Kevin Bacon as your central character, that wins me over from the very beginning, especially when he has to play the straight man for most of the jokes. Yeah, though I will say I'd go one step further and call it Guardians of the Galaxy Presents Mantis and Drax and Kevin Bacon's Holiday Spectacular. Okay, I'll I'll allow that. I like that little addition even better because Groot had like maybe three minutes and that was mainly him dancing around while the 180, the 97s were playing their music. Mm-hmm. So, and Rocket had like one minute. Yeah. So, we're going to go ahead and just throw in the synopsis here. This is Care of Wikipedia, which we all know never lies. And it goes a little something like this. The Guardians of the Galaxy purchased Nowhere from the Collector and taking Cosmo the Space Dog as a new member. 
As Christmas approaches, Craglin tells the Guardians the story of how Yondu ruined Christmas for Peter in his childhood. Discuss, Mantis ex discusses with Drax about finding a perfect pr Christmas present for Quill, as the latter is still de depressed about the following loss of Gamora. After brainstorming for ideas, they decide to go to Earth and retrieve Quill's childhood hero, actor Kevin Bacon. Mantis and Drax arrive in Hollywood, where they begin their search for Bacon. After spending time at Grauman's, the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and a bar, they acquire a map of the celebrities' residences and locate his home in Beverly Hills. Bacon, who is waiting for his family to come home, is terrified by the appearance of Mantis and Drax and tries to escape. Police arrive to help, but Mantis places them and Bacon in a trance before taking Bacon with him. As they return to nowhere, Mantis and Drax are disappointed to learn that Bacon is an actor and not a real-life hero. Later, the Guardians surprise Quill with a Christmas celebration, but Quill is horrified to learn that Bacon has been kidnapped, demanding that he be returned home. On the Guardians' new spaceship, the Bowie, Bacon learns from Craglin how he and his, has inspired Quill's heroism and decides to celebrate Christmas with the Guardians after all before returning home. After the celebration, Quill reveals to Mantis that Yondu eventually changed his mind about Christmas and gifted him the pair of blasters which now serve as his primary weapons. Mantis confides in him that he is Quill's, that she is Quill's half-sister after years of refusing to tell them the truth out of fear of reminding him of his father's ego's misdeeds to Quill's surprise and elation. The end. So, as I was talking to Kyra offline, I had a couple of thoughts that hit me when I was watching it last night. One is... Didn't Gamora come back after Guardians 2? Yes and no. Um, the Gamora that we got in, um, I believe it was Endgame, um, was actually from another timeline. And she did not love him the way that the original Gamora, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and they show at um, the end of Endgame that she has not returned with the Guardians, and they're looking for her. And they do say at the beginning of the special that they do mention her briefly, saying that um, Peter is sad that she is gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that was why I was like, I thought she came back. And this shows how little attention I paid to the Gamora part of the end of Guardians 2. Because I just thought that she was there and... Didn't even so the special itself starts and pretty much ends with animation, which I totally loved and I wasn't expecting. And when I first saw the animation, I was like, okay, so is it going to be an animated special, kind of like the Groot specials that we covered probably a couple of months ago? But the fact that it was just giving us some backstory on Yondu and what a well, lack of a better term, a jerk in the beginning of the episode, but actually comes and finds out that he's a pretty nice guy, which Michael Rooker seems like he would be a nice guy in real. But I don't know. I've never met the guy, and, and now that I've probably said that, he's probably not a nice guy, and we'll start getting emails from people saying, no, I met him. He's a total... And I can't say what we're... The words. <laughs> So, um, fun fact, the animated sequences were actually rotoscoped, which is where they film the actors live and then um, trace huh. the animation over. 
So um, they actually had them all there filming that and then added the animation later on, which I thought was like a fun device to use to like show that it's a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I know James Gunn said that this was heavily inspired by the Star Wars holiday special and that I and that I think um, the animated parts in particular were inspired by the Boba Fett cartoon in the um, Star Wars holiday special. I will say I enjoyed the special overall, and I'll talk about what I liked and what I didn't like, of course, as we go on. Part of me kind of wishes, though, that it was animated, because the special in general is filmed with this kind of glossy lifetime look that I get they're doing it because it's a holiday special, but didn't kind of really really felt like it fit with the guardian setting with me mm-hmm. yeah i could now that you're mentioning it i could see where where it comes across as a lifetime special episode because the very beginning which they've done this with the werewolf by night they had the little special disney presentation which is a la the 70s and 80s we now interrupt your regularly scheduled progress to bring you the following TV special. And it, I could see where that comes across. Well, I wasn't talking about that. I was just talking about in the special itself. I, I wasn't, I didn't really care for like the lighting I'm saying. And like sort of the quality, like the photography. I found it a little distracting. Well, when, when we had the animation, did it make you feel like there was more backstory between Yandu and Christmas that we're going to get in a future holiday special? Why he felt like he had to destroy the Christmas tree and all of that? And I've lost everyone, Kyra. Sorry, I muted myself and I was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think they really can or need to do that. I think that that's just Yondu. Um, <laughs> I had in my notes, like, if I didn't, if I hadn't gone into this knowing, you know, what we already know about Yondu and his relationship with Peter, mm-hmm. um, I would have really hated the opening sequence. But um, it was easy to just, I mean, I was like, oh, that's like really horrible behavior. But at the same time, I was like, well, that's Yondu. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I mean, I feel like anything that could have been explained was explained in the opening scene and just like the other movies in general, honestly. All right. So when they start, when Craglin finishes his tale of woe with Yandu and Peter, he says, and we have noticed on the multi-calendar that the Earth... That the Earth's special day of Christmas is coming up. The multi-calendar, is that what they're calling the multiverse's special calendar? Or is that someone's outlook that they were looking at, or what? Is it just like, we have the count, like, I feel like I have a multi-calendar. (laughs) That's like, my personal calendar, and my work calendar, Uh and podcast calendar and this calendar and this and that. So maybe it's just like all of the different universes or worlds that they are aware of mm-hmm. and their different holidays, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, what she said, I didn't really think much of that line. 
Yeah, and I and I may have taken a little bit more of a um, critical, as is my way on the podcast. I always try to break things down and maybe overthink them, which mm-hmm. sometimes gets me in trouble with other movies that we've dealt with. So the fact that the 97s are in this movie, which I'm not sure, and Kyra actually posted that she was listening to this to one of the songs off of the special today, and I actually downloaded two of them off of it. Their song about Christmas totally rocks. It's a sp- mm-hmm. it's a spoof of a Christmas song, but I would listen to this one in a heartbeat over 98% of the Christmas music <laughs> that is out there, and one of my friends would probably definitely listen to this over the Mariah Carey stuff that is out there. <laughs> Are you talking about... um? The one for the opening credits, or the ones the the one the alien uh, band sings to Peter. The one that the alien band sings to Peter, and he's like, "No, no, <laughs> that's not how it works." This yes. soundtrack is just wonderful. Um, I immediately found it on Spotify. I've had it on repeat um, after Spotify Wrapped came out. <laughs> I'm in no man's land as far as music goes right now. So um, I've had this going for the last few days and it's super fun. The whole thing is super fun, but I really love the opening song um, and all of the things that they're getting wrong because they don't really know what Christmas is. It's just great. Yeah. Like, like you said, I, I really just enjoyed the humor of that scene and thought, and thought it was a pretty funny scene though. If you really think about it, uh, they're not, entirely wrong they're just a little extreme <laughs> in their yeah. descriptions yeah they, they 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 take the christmas schema and turn it up to a 13 mm-hmm. instead of just running it out of 10 so yond so yeah yondo yondo's not in this unfortunately because we all know what happened to r.i.p um drax and mantis go to earth and they end up at Grauman's. And suddenly they are celebrities. Uh, well, uh, well, I wouldn't say they're celebrities. They're just like, they just make a lot of friends. Yeah. Who all paid them. And I was trying to figure out how much money they had actually taken in that. And then how long it actually took for them to go through that pile of cash in the bar. Especially with other people buying drinks for them as well, probably. I don't know, but I loved Mantis, like, posing with all of the money in, like, every picture that they took. (laughs) And just how excited she was to have that money. And then, however they lose it, they lose it. But I loved um, how she kind of used her powers to get the map lady to, Mm -hmm. like, give me all your money. Well, now... Before, when we actually see Mantis run and jump on Captain America, who is not Captain America, of course, and then Drax sees a Gobot, which I think was supposed to be a Transformer, but do you think that could be a tie-in into a future Marvel movie? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I got excited. I was like, ooh, Gobots! Because I grew up not having Transformers. I mean, I had a few, but the GoBots were like the cheap knockoff 
but were sometimes better than the actual Transformers because their arms didn't snap off when you pulled them out and things like that. And I'm trying, I was trying to figure out who Drax's cousin was that the GoBots killed. Because that was like a throwaway line, but it wasn't really, but it wasn't a throwaway line because later on he's beating the tar out of the GoBot in the background of one of the photos. Again, this is, it's probably just a silly offhanded line that, won't have any bearing on the future plot on any future plot especially seen as dave batista has kind of said in interviews lately that he's probably not going to be playing drax much longer i mean he's he has kind of moved on to bigger and better has the movies that he's done since guardians been bigger and better or do we even know what he's done since guardians oh he's he's done a lot have you seen glass onion not yet. That's a, that's yeah. on. Go ahead, Kara. Oh, I was just saying it's on my list. I'll, we'll probably have to wait for it to come to Netflix in a few weeks. It actually already is on Netflix. Is it? Yes, because it's a okay. Netflix movie. I thought. Okay, I'm confused. I guess because I thought <laughs> they were just doing theater until like the week of Christmas. Maybe I'm maybe I'm confused. Yeah, I will say um, though if there is something, I uh, I was kind of. Uh, nitpicky over it's earlier in the movie it's it's not um, whether or not we'll hear about Drax's cousin again but it's earlier in the movie when suddenly they're just friends with Cosmo the dog who was a fun character from what little we saw of her but it was kind of weird they didn't really build up that relationship it's just now they're friends with Cosmo yeah I, I was I was excited to see Cosmo because I've been playing Marvel Snap and it's actually she's actually a character on there. Mm-hmm. So I don't exactly know what she does other than she has telekinesis and can talk. But um, I heard an interview that James Gunn did. Um, I think the same week this came out, where he mentioned that in. Uh, Guardians 3, which of course we'll get um, the first half of next year, that we're, we'll get a lot more Cosmo. Okay. So I think we'll get the like, what explanation we didn't get in this, I think we'll get okay. then. I'm looking forward to it because I I thought she was cute. Yeah, she was. She was a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she would work for treats, which not very many people can say that nowadays. <laughs> So when we when they finally do get the map, it, I kind of laughed when I saw that they visited Brie Larson, Zoe Saldana, John Cena, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Lance Bass before they found Kevin Bacon. <laughs> and they so, kind of split up for a second, don't they? Like it shows them not together. Yeah, and because because Mantis is like Drax, get over here. And I think it was when he was at John Cena's house in in Hollywood. Yeah, too bad we couldn't get a actually have Zoe Saldana cameo. Yeah, that would that would have been hilarious. Um, you look familiar. Oh, I get that a lot. So, oh yes, we loved you in Crossroads. Oh my gosh, that that's that's going way far back. I didn't even realize that was her. <laughs> Okay, that's going to go back on my list of movies that I might have to rewatch. 
Because I, I, I totally love Zoe in just about everything that she... So speaking of movies that we might need to watch or rewatch, um, one that I haven't seen but that Kevin Bacon is enjoying when we finally meet him um, in his home is actually on Amazon Prime, and it's called um, Santa Conquers the Martians. And I, I, I looked that up because I was like, I recognize that, and it seems like it's a... MST3K mm-hmm. movie, which ties everything back into another episode, episode 100 of our podcast. If they haven't done that, I'm going to need somebody to, because it looks like the perfect kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm probably going to watch it this week. Yeah, um, they did an, an MST3K on Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, and it was cool that they um, included it. Though a little disappointing they didn't have him watch the Star Wars Holiday Special. I mean, Disney owns it, don't they? And James Gunn said that he, like, based some of this or was inspired by it. So, yeah, that would have been fun. But I and... think that is the, the what we have talked about in this podcast and what James Gunn has talked about is the most that the Star Wars Holiday Special has gotten airplay in the last 30 years. Um, there, so they talked about it, um, I think on either the movie crush podcast with Chuck Bryant or maybe on stuff you should know. I don't remember. Stuff you should know. Okay. Yeah. That was a great episode. I had never heard of the star Wars holiday special before they talked about it. And I've I've listened to that a few times because like, I don't know if I'll ever watch the actual special, but that podcast episode is is really fun. Yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I think the best part was a uh, B Arthur, or was that the worst part? No, that was the best part. <laughs> I guess that in the cartoon. Yeah, you can skip the rest of it. I, honestly, I'll be honest. Uh, this was I was surprised how fun this special was because. Eh, in general, I'm not gonna lie. Most Christmas specials are e- either a suck or b are just okay. Um, well, I had so much fun with this. Um, Kevin Bacon being mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon, just I don't know. It's, Drax and Mantis on their adventure was fun because, like, we ha- we didn't really get a lot of them in the movies, not as mm-hmm. much as the other. Yeah. Um, so it was so fun for them to have this little side adventure. Yeah, I, I do agree that it was nice to see them get a bit more development that yeah. the movies just have not had the time to provide them with. Yes, and and it, and it may actually be setting up further further MCU Disney Plus Mantis spinoff movies or specials. Who knows? I could live without. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've talked about on this podcast a lot of long, drawn-out chase scenes. <laughs> um, it seems like old Disney movies loved a good long chase scene that went on far too long. Mm-hmm. But I found the um, Kevin Bacon chase scene in this special to be wonderful. I could have used 10 more minutes of them just trying to catch him. Yeah. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but I thought it was that much fun. Just them, like, breaking into his home and how he is trying to get away and they're jumping 
behind him in the background. Just <laughs> so fun. I, I would have watched that for as long as they would have let me. Yeah. Much longer than we actually got. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty fun. It's nice, you know, just in general to see Mantis take charge and not be as much of a doormat as she has been lately. And like the in the in the three four movies she's been in. Yeah, and it and it seems like in most of the other movies, all that she was doing was what she was not supposed to do in this movie, which is put people in trance to be able to get what she needed out of them. But when. Yeah. When they finally do catch up to him and Drax has flipped a cop car and gets yelled at by Mantis for not for killing people, I laughed out loud when she puts a candy cane inside of the car as if that is supposed to make everything even and everything's okay. Yeah, she says, we're even now, okay? <laughs> and so they climb... They go across the street to the Christmas castle, and the next thing that we know, the Bowie is completely decked out from stem to stern, from top to bottom, and Drax even has on a Christmas ugly sweater, which made me laugh, and Kevin's just chilling in the middle of the of the Bowie, <laughs> not even on a seat, but it looks like he's sitting on something, and... This is where they find out that he's an actor, and they determine that actors are repugnant. And she tells him to act like a hero, and suddenly he's a World War II British guy, and I laughed but all, because I don't hear Kevin Bacon doing accents in any movies that I can remember, or that were even Six Degree movies. Because we all we all play Six Degrees of Kevin Kamala, mm-hmm. and apparently Batman exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now, because Kevin Bacon said that he was Batman. I thought it was fun um, that that made it in there, considering um, James Gunn's new gig. Mm-hmm. But I also mm-hmm. was like, how did how did they get away with that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't need to know. But it just occurred to me, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't think you can get sued for copyright just by mentioning Batman's name. So they go back to nowhere, and Kevin Bacon almost dies because he's suffocating in in the box, a la Barnaby from our last episode, which was left unresolved because we were talking about the 1960 Babes in Toyland and how there were several questions that never got answered in all that. And I'm hoping that some people have written in to tell us what they thought of. Yeah, well, um, wouldn't be the first time someone died in something related to Babes in Toyland um, or was close to death. I don't know if you knew about this, um, but in the 1934 Laurel and Hardy version, the filmmakers actually did something really messed up, which was they put like a Mickey Mouse head on a monkey and the monkey was trying to get like the head off. And they filmed it and left it in the movie. I know. Whoa. Okay. Man, I, as you're telling this story, I'm like, man, we know that Disney, like, old... No, no this, wasn't, this wasn't Disney. Um, <laughs> I, they just used Disney's... Disney just used a Mickey Mouse head. Gosh. Well, we've just seen in a lot of other movies that we've talked about where they had no problem 
putting animals in um, perilous situations Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. for entertainment. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, that really hurt that dog or whatever. So, like, I shouldn't be surprised by that. But still, it's shocking what they do for entertainment. Yeah, thankfully, Um, the animals in this movie are CGI. Um, So when they get back to nowhere and they're like about to do like they're doing their big reveal to Peter, um, how Mantis like it's so sweet how she's like cueing them like, okay, now you do your part. And then she runs around and like cues the next person. And as the lights, um, it just gets bigger and bigger and more elaborate. And the wonder on his face, it made me um, emotional. I'm not proud of it. But it did make me um, cry a little bit because he was just so, like, happy. And um, I, I actually cried a couple times in this. But that was that was the first time. Just the wonder and um, awe on his face and just how sweet it was that she was doing this just for him. Well, that they all were all doing it for him. Yeah. Though. I just mean like she was directing it. Right. I, I get what you're saying. Though, uh, Ro- though Groot can put on antlers, but Rocket can't put on an elf costume. Come on, Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> or at least, or at least Cosmo. <laughs> yeah. Some, some, somebody needed to don an elf costume, and I'm sure there's probably um, edits out there that. <laughs> are unsanctioned by Disney or Marvel or any of the other myriad of companies. Mm-hmm. So Kevin finally escapes the box and Peter finds out that he's under a trance and tells Mantis to release the trance. And then he tries to talk Kevin down and that goes swimmingly cause he runs off screaming into the night and Gamora Starts wanting, or not Gamora, um, Nebula. Nebula. Nebula, thank you. Nebula says, I'll get him, and just goes off with her gun, and I'm like, oh god, they're going to kill Kevin Bacon. And this is not the first time that I actually had a thought that somebody was going to kill Kevin Bacon. Because Craglin still doesn't have full control of the arrow, and I was expecting for him to whistle inadvertently, and... We have dead Kevin Bacon in a Marvel Cinematic Special. I don't think Disney would allow that. I'm for like the ho- I mean, unless I mean, not something that everyone knows is Disney. Like, yeah. if It's Always Sunny had a Christmas episode and they wanted to kill someone off on it, Disney would look the other way, but not for Marvel. I did kind of like when he was explaining, you know, oh, this controls um, an arrow. I was waiting for it to zoom through the shot. Mm-hmm. I was almost disappointed that we at least didn't see it like fly through there. Um, but it made sense. It would have been dangerous because he says like, oh, I'm not very good at it yet or whatever. Um, so Craglin like talks Kevin Bacon down and explains like, Oh, you know, here's why I, I think they did this. And then we get like the coolest Christmas song ever. Um, I mean, this whole soundtrack, like I said, is great, but Kevin Bacon singing a Christmas song was not something I knew I needed in my life, um, until I heard it and I was like, oh yeah, this is filling a hole I didn't know I had in my heart. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's actually, that was one that I downloaded that, the opening bad, um, B97s and the Smashing Pumpkins Christmas 
all three of those got downloaded while I was watching this to prepare to yesterday for this episode. Yeah, the needle drops in this 45 minutes are spectacular. So he comes back, he performs, we see people starting to exchange gifts, and I want to know where Peter got the original gray Game Boy. That was something I'm... that I had as a well, not a child, because I'm a little older than that, but when I was a teenager, there were many nights trying to beat level three of Mario. Um, well, I mean, they got he was able to get a Zune at the end of Volume 2, so I suppose it was from the same place that he had gotten the Zune from. Mm-hmm. Um, in that montage, there's a scene of Groot giving gifts to all of the Guardians, but... Rocket's not there, which I thought was odd. Mm. Like, did they just decide to, like, skimp out on the CGI in that scene? Because, like, you know, the others, there would at least be a physical presence there, but Mm -hmm. not so with him. Yeah, but Groot's creations were so cool. That, That would be something that I would love to have on... My son's Christmas tree sometime in the future. But Bill dioramas. Yeah, the uh, especially yeah. the one of Craglin holding Craglin holding Craglin <laughs> holding Craglin holding Craglin yeah. and Infinitum. It was fun to see like oh this happened in the this happened in the episode or movie, whatever. This uh, we saw this scene from earlier how it's all from this. It was just cute and then that was like a really fun gag of like the scene that we're watching is what he's yeah. got. So Rocket somehow ends up with Bucky's arm. Yeah, I'm wondering how Nebula got that. Yeah, um, there's a bit of controversy behind that scene. Okay. Um, because, uh, someone asked him how, someone asked James Gunn how he got that, uh, and he just sort of made kind of an off-color joke that a lot of people didn't particularly care for. Oh, no. Which was that he said, "Oh, she just went to Earth and ripped it off his, ripped it, ripped it off him, so, because she was feeling Christmassy." And then they were like, uh, "That doesn't make any sense." And he's like, "No, she was feeling Christmassy." It was you? You can read about it. Now we're in the we're in the future with this um, movie, right? Or this special, right? This is. After Endgame, because Gamora's gone and all that. Mm-hmm. So, Bucky has already left Wakanda, gone and done his thing, done the Winter Soldier thing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm wondering if it's another timeline since we are in the multiverse, and it was a Bucky that never figured out how to use it, and that's why. But once again, I'm probably overthinking this. But what is he going to do with the arm? It is an even better question. I mean, what what was he going to do with any of the prosthetics he stole? <laughs> this is true. <clears throat> so we have the nice feel-good ending to the movie. And we have an off comment about having an Easter episode. <laughs> which... I would be totally down for a... Actually, I would be down for any holiday that you can come up with to have a Guardians of the Galaxy insert 
holiday special just to give me more guardians because i'm we're, we we loved Groot. We spent an, probably over an hour talking about what thirty five minutes worth of cartoons. Mm-hmm. So, but there was I think Vin Diesel had six words in this movie because I think he said "I am Groot" twice in the entire thing. So was he all filming Fast Ten while this was being done, mm-hmm. or do we yeah. know why he didn't get more "I am Groot" lines? Uh, like I said, uh, that is the one downside to focusing exclusively on Mantis and Drax is that the characters in general feel kind of underutilized. Mm-hmm. Personally, I would have preferred if they added maybe 10 to 20 minutes with like a subplot of them preparing for mm-hmm. the whole Christmas shindig of you know Nebula and Groot. And Rocket and Craglin preparing for the whole, you know, Christmas shindig thing. My other question regarding Groot, and this is actually my last question, is when did he get so swole? Because, <laughs> I mean, when we left them on Guardians 2, he was this emo, not wanting to come out of his room 13-year-old, for lack of a better term. And now he's got guns that are bigger than Hulk Hogan's during his heyday in WCW. Well, we do have to remember that they were also in Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, and Thor Love and Thunder. Um, But he he was that same teenager there. Um, So I'm going to guess this is a bit of a time skip, and now he's supposed to be, like, in his early 20s. Yeah. Okay. Swell Groot. So I just I want to see old man Groot. How many how many more Marvel movies would we need to get to before we have an old man Groot? Um, would that be like Phase Twelve or something? I mean, <laughs> he ages kind of fast, I guess. Um, but I mean, we know that Volume Three is going to be the last one. Um, and I. In an interview, I heard James Gunn specifically say something about it being the grand finale for these characters, which makes me so sad because um, I love them. Guardians was like my first, the first Marvel movie that I got, like that made me get excited about Marvel movies. Because um, I, you know, I used to say I don't, I don't care for superhero movies or comic book movies, um, but that one sucked me in, and it. Like my love of Marvel grew from there, so um, I'm pretty sad that we won't have any more of them after next year. But I mean, I know the possibility is there that they could sneak them in here and there. But just to not have them all together, thinking of that is making me sad. But I also can't wait to see what they do and how this will tie into, or how it has set it up for Volume Three. Yeah, honestly, uh, I think Guardians is probably one of the last um, Marvel franchises I'm going to probably even follow, uh, because most of Phase 4 has been kind of meh to me, Uh, so I'm thinking, like, I'm not even sure I'm going to see Quantumania, because the Ant-Man movies in general have been kind of so-so, in my opinion, Um but I am looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, but that might be, like, the last, at least, you know, 
the last Marvel movie I even see in theaters. Well, and see, I and I consider myself kind of a Marvel nerd because I have watched mm-hmm. all of the movies up till Endgame. I watched every single one of them except for Iron Man 2. Still have not watched Iron Man 2 in all the years that it has been since it's been released. And we'll probably only watch it when we get to it for the podcast. But since Endgame, I have not watched anything except for The Eternals. And I went and saw um, Wakanda Forever just because, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody and their brother had already seen it when I when I went to see it three weeks later. And it will it will probably be the only Marvel movie that I will watch until I'm not even sure what the next one will be until it's on Disney Plus. Just because with a twenty three month old it's not easy to get out of the house on many Friday afternoons to go see a two hour, thirty minute, forty five minute, three hour plus movie. Which is what all the Marvel movies are now. They don't come out at an hour and a half like the Disney movies that we are covering for our podcast. Um, the post credit scene, and this is my last note. I loved it. Yeah, it was cute, and it's nice. And it's nice seeing the Cosmo, the good girl again. Though I will say, um, about um, Mantis being Peter's sister, like. I was surprised that caused such a uproar on social media, like it's some big surprise, because I kind of just assumed she was another child of Ego. Like, what else mm-hmm. would she have been doing with them? And see, I didn't even know there was an uproar on social media. I, I stay off of it except to promote the podcast, and that's about it now. Um, so James Gunn gave an... Uh interview to the Ringerverse podcast, which I love. Um, And he mentioned that that like sister aspect of the story was always part of the plan. Um, And they actually had set it up in volume two, but then um, it got cut. So Hmm. they threw it into this or kind of snuck it in Trojan horse did into this so that it's there and kind of out there for um, volume three, which kind of makes me think, um, I guess I thought this was going to be kind of standalone, but it seems like now it's essential viewing for anybody who is going to see um, volume three. I just wonder if they'll like, I wonder what kind of exposition they'll do at the beginning of that movie to like, to bring in those people who maybe didn't watch this. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what, what they will do with it it may be i mean when they revealed that she was the that she was another child of ego i didn't think anything of it because he didn't he say during guardians 2 that he went to different worlds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i mean there's no telling how many half-brothers and sisters are actually out there that probably will never be discovered by the time that the Marvel Cinematic Universe crumbles in on itself when old man Groot dies. Yeah, I was thinking, like, uh, he 
killed most of his children. So, um, I, I mean, he had Mantis enslaved, I guess. So, mm-hmm. like, I wondered why her and not someone else, but it doesn't matter. I love, I love Mantis. So <laughs> I didn't let myself think about that too long. I don't care. I'm glad, I'm glad it's her. So do either of you have anything that has been missed on this episode or have we covered it ad infinitum? I just want to know what your favorite Kevin Bacon movies are. Gosh. Um, I mean, it would, I'd have to think about which ones I've seen. Well, I would have to put Tremors on there just because it's a, it is not your typical te- Kevin Bacon movie. When they were talking about him defeating Jason Voorhees, I was like, which um, Friday the 13th was he actually in? <laughs> because I think he was a blink and you'll miss him character. Like, Actually, I think he was in the very first one. And he got killed while he was um, not being totally proper with a lady, shall we say. Since this is a children can listen to this podcast for the most part. Family show. Yes, a family show. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tremors has to be on, like, at least the top five, just because it's Tremors and it's a campy classic. I love it. I think that's probably the first Kevin Bacon movie I ever saw as a kid, and, um, my parents probably shouldn't have let me watch that as young as they did, but, uh, I don't care. Uh, I guess they didn't care either. (laughs) Does, um, does Planes, Trains, and Automobiles count? I know you just had a silent cameo in that. It can count. If I, if you like it because of Kevin Bacon, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was the best part. The guy who doesn't have a line who runs after a taxi. <laughs> um, I tend to forget that he was in Apollo thirteen, but I love him in Apollo thirteen when yeah. I watch it and remember that he was in it. He was also in a few good men. And I'm not pulling up the IMDb because otherwise I'll be here all night trying to figure out my top five. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know what? Um, funnily enough, uh, he was the voice of Balto, and I used to have a dog that looked like Balto. Hmm. Okay. So I, so I basically had a <laughs> Kevin Bacon as a dog. <laughs> Did um, he ever talk to you though? That's the question. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh. Um, I'm trying to think cuz I mean those I've got I've got to say Apollo 13 now that I'm thinking about it. Um, A Few Good Men and Tremors would probably be my top 3. Now, if you were to pin me to the wall and make me think of any others, I probably couldn't think of any others right off the hand cuz I haven't played 6 Degrees in several years now. Um he did a movie like in the late nineties called Picture Perfect with Jennifer Aniston. Um I know like now that it's not a great movie, but I love that movie. I loved it when it first came out. I think it was the early or late nineties. Huh? Yeah, it was late nineties because I was still in college and it was it was a date night movie that would be watched by all the friends. Oh, have you seen that one? Go watch it. You'll have fun. Yeah, it's not a great movie, but I really like that movie, and I think it's kind of fun to see him play, like, the bad boy mm-hmm. that she dates. And so, um, 
that would probably be on my list, even if it's, you know, like crappy 90s rom-com. Kevin, in crappy 90s rom-coms. <laughs> not, a, not a huge rom-com fan, if I'm going to be honest. I mean, I... You you put me on this on the spot and I honestly can't think of any movies tonight. Yeah, I'd have to think. I I, I agree with Dan. Well, now you've done got me pulling up IMDb after I said I wasn't going to. <laughs> well, um, regardless, I want to point out that Kevin Bacon's Instagram is one of my favorite accounts that I follow. He's super fun. Um, he does like little musical posts. Um, I think there's like a Monday blues thing that he does. And then he sings with his goats on his farm. Hmm. Um, he does TikTok dances with his wife, Kira. It's just super fun. I recommend everyone follow Kevin Bacon on Instagram. I was actually kind of surprised that we didn't even get like a small, uh, a small Kira Sedgwick cameo in this i know he was talking to her on the phone but it would have been nice to have seen her walk into the house after drax and mantis pretty much destroyed it and just see her reaction as like the very last thing that you see on the episode yeah yeah it'd be fun. I, yeah again there are just there are things it would have been nice to see but they just didn't have the time to show it actually speaking of cameos um maybe it's just me but i thought for a second the cop um the first cop that tries to uh, arrest mantis and drax i thought that was judy rays from scrubs carla it might have been no it wasn't oh well, Payne, i thought it was a judy rays cameo well you know who the bartender was no He's actually in the new um, Pitch Perfect spinoff on Peacock. Oh, uh, what, uh, what's his name? <laughs> and now I'm going to have to pull that up. <laughs> we have completely descended off the rails, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh, sorry. No, no I, you're um, fine. I don't watch... I haven't, I haven't seen any of the Pitch Perfect movies, so... Or, or the TV show, so... Oh, I, all right. I see his name, Flula Borg. Yeah. All right. I, I do know who he was. Who he is? He was in um, the Suicide Squad. Yeah. James Gunn. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that's how he got um Kevin Bacon because Kevin Bacon was in Super. Hmm. See, it all comes down to six degrees of everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's. We and we could play for the rest of the night, and no one would really win because we'd all be trying to one up each other on six degrees. <sighs> all right. Um, is are you still doing your podcast? I I haven't seen any new episodes come out lately. Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, in fact, where, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Okay. You and YouTube uh, under Liam Higgins. All right. So just go out there and search for Liam Higgins. He does good stuff. Mm-hmm. He usually has people on who talk about what they did with movies. The Newsies episode was fun, mm-hmm. which was the one that I was on. Not to try to pimp our podcast. but um, Yeah, and I'll also say that... Um, 
all um, by the time this comes out, probably all three Christmas interviews will have been up. So, so we've done one with Larry Hinkin on both planes, trains, and automobiles, and Home Alone, as well as Aria Curzon debut on the B movie Santa with Muscles. Uh, <laughs> And um, we've talked to David Silverman, uh, the director of Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. So, yeah, if you want to find out behind-the-scenes info about all three of those scenes, uh, go check my podcast out. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on. And Thank we you. And we will definitely have to do this the next time that we have a um, Guardians-adjacent podcast or something like that or just something if if there is another disney movie because we are moving into the 80s sometime early next year which is crazy to think that it took us 120 episodes to get through 50 years and now we're rolling into the 80s but we would we would love to have you on and and do another one Mm -hmm. um as is always the case you can leave us an email. Tell us what your favorite five Kevin Bacon movies are. You can re- you can reach us at Be Kind Rewind DMP. That is the Disney Plus Movie Podcast at gmail.com. And until we talk again, stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for those GoBots. <laughs> and also watch out for uh, Mantis and Drax. <laughs> Y'all have a good night. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Out on the third planet closest to the sun, there's a special celebration, and it sounds quite fun. A jolly old fellow brings toys to everyone on a holiday they call Christmas. That's perfect. Good. These are good job. Now, I'm not going to lie. It no, makes more. no sense to me. But here's what I've discovered. About this Christmas mystery. I'm super busy. Is this is this a long song? One, two, three, four. Santa is a furry freak with epic superpowers. He flies to every human home in under 14 hours. He's a master burglar. No. A pro at picking locks. No. If you don't leave milk and cookies out. Put dung in your socks. That is not part of the lore at all. If you act nicely through the night and don't jump on your bed, Santa comes with sugar plums and hurls them at your head. But if you're on his naughty list, he shoots missiles at your toes. He might just roast your chestnuts with his powerful flamethrower. No! He doesn't have a flamethrower. Rain, 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 rain. It's kind of cool. Dear, 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 dear. I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. 
his creepy elves to do his every wish. One sought to be a dentist, now he's sleeping with the fish. Mrs. Claus, she works the pole, plans her man's demise. No! Soon the elves will all rise up and stab out Santa's eyes. That dear. I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. Or maybe it's there, but it's somewhere. Ah, nice. No, 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 no. You just got these instruments? Thank you, nowhere. Yeah. Uh.